Jesus said in John chapter 14, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Trust God. Trust me also. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take to you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I'm going? Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If, you'd know, if you know me, you will know my Father also. From now on, you do know him. You have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it's enough for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long and you still don't know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I, I don't speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me, or believe on the count of the works themselves. The Lord bless the reading of his word. How important is God to you? How important is God to you? Do you need to know God? You know, lots of people go their whole lives. They don't get concerned about God at all. God doesn't appear to be important to them. Many people go through their whole lives, they don't even think there is a God. How important is God to you? Do you need to know him? Do you need to know him? Well, last time, if you were paying attention, we read this, Jesus speaking, I am the way the truth, the life, wait, life, the life. And if we pay attention to Jesus, especially here in the book of John, if we pay attention to Jesus, if we believe what he tells us, then we need to know God or we are not alive. 
If we don't know God, if we have no fellowship with God, if we have no relationship with God, we are dead. Jesus says it like this, you will die in your trespasses and sins. If we, uh, if we are born again, born of God, born of the Spirit of God, know God, we have eternal life. If we don't, we remain condemned. That's in John chapter 3, that famous text. 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And then he goes on, he says, For the Son of Man did not come into the world to condemn the world, but that the world would be saved. In other words, the world's condemned already, it says it right there in the text. We need to know God. Well, that leads to the next question. How do you know God? How do you know God? Well, we've been looking at this, and we've been studying this text, the end of chapter 13, the beginning of chapter 14 in the book of John. Now, at least three weeks we've been dealing with this. We had a break in the middle, so it's been about a month since we started. And we notice that Jesus begins by saying, little children... My beloved little ones, I'm leaving. And I'm pretty sure as soon as he said that, they didn't hear anything else. You can tell this a little bit by the questions they ask, like, wait, he just said that and you're asking. He just answered the question you're now asking. That happens a lot in this conversation because I think they're completely freaked out by this statement of Jesus that he's leaving. Like, leaving? What? Now, Jesus has been talking all along about he's going to die, he's going to be raised. These are not things that they haven't been told, but they sound like things that, although they've been told, they haven't heard. Have you ever been told something and didn't hear it? Happens. It happens. You know, I've been to school more than any human being should be required to go to school. Lots and lots of schooling I've had. My mother once told me, hi mom, my mother once told me I was, had too much education. I said, well, it's your fault. You're the one that told me that going to school was my job when I was a kid. So uh, you made me think this was a good idea. Now you're telling me. But anyway, uh, I've been to a lot of school. You know what happens to me in school? I get told a lot of things and I don't hear them. Later on, they give you a test, right? Then you find out what you've been told that you didn't hear. Same thing's going on here. If if the disciple, and plus it's emotional, right? Like Jesus is, they have put their hope and faith in Jesus. Now they have a very specific idea of what that means. And Jesus is not planning to fit that idea. 
the Lord is like this, isn't he? In our walk with God, don't you, you, you get this all the time, don't you? He's not doing it right. I told him what needed to be done, and he's not doing it. Well, they have a similar kind of thing going on with Jesus. So when he says, I'm leaving, they're like, what? No. Going where? And that's the big question, right? Where are you going? Where are you going? Where are you going? What do you mean you're leaving? And Jesus starts to give the talk he's planning to give to prepare them for his departure. Love one another as I have loved you. That's the beginning of the talk. They interrupt. And Peter says, where are you going? And why can't I go too? And Jesus says, well, you can't go right now, but you'll come later. I think Peter hears that and doesn't hear it. That's not satisfying. I'll die for you. I'll let me go too. Wow, does he have any idea what he's asking? No idea. Because where Jesus is going, the path to where Jesus is going is by way of the cross. And there's a question of who's dying for who here, Peter. Peter will understand this later. And Jesus says to him, okay, you say you'll, you know, to die for me. I'm telling you, Peter, before morning, before morning, you will deny me three times. Try to put yourself in Peter's position hearing those words from Jesus. Peter shuts up now. He doesn't say anymore. And I imagine... The other disciples, hearing Jesus say that to Peter, of all people, shocking. <clears throat> and Jesus says, let not your hearts be troubled. Trust God. Trust me. Trust God. Where do we go when God is disappointing us? Got to trust God. Got to trust God. Things are not working out like I wanted or planned or assumed. Where do you go? You got to trust God. And if you're going to trust God, you have to trust Jesus. Because there's no other way to trust God except to trust Jesus. And Jesus says, I'm going to prepare a place. And I'll be back and I'll get you. Then we'll be together again. And you know how to get where I'm going. You know the way, and 
Thomas says, we don't even know where you're going. Wait a second. He just said, I'm going to my father's house to prepare a place for you. Okay, but these guys are shaken. And so Thomas says, we don't even know where you're going. How would we know the way? And Jesus says, I am the way. So the question is, do you know him? The way, not a way. The truth, not a truth, as though there could be only a truth. The life, not one way of life. The life, if you don't have Jesus, you are dead. We could say it like this, if you don't find Jesus, you will stay dead. And of course, if you're dead, you can't go find anyone. He comes and finds you. So anyway, Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father. That's where we're going. No one goes there except through me. If you'd known me, if you've come to know me, then you'll know my Father as well. And from now on, he says to these guys, that's the situation. You have seen the Father. You know him. You have seen him. And Philip says, Lord, show us the Father. <laughs> if it were me, I would say to Philip, what did I just say? Jesus didn't do it that way, I don't think. Though you can hear a little frustration, right? <sighs> How long have I been here, Philip? How long have I been here? And you still don't know me? You still don't know me. And I can imagine Philip thinking, I wasn't talking about you. I asked you to show us the Father. But Jesus goes on. Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. In other words, what I've been doing this whole time, Philip, is exactly what you are asking me to do now. What I've been doing the whole time, I have been incarnate humanity on earth is putting the Father on display. You see, Jesus is the image of God. Whoever has seen the Father has seen, or whoever's seen Christ has seen the Father. In fact, there is no other way to see God except to see Christ. This goes all the way back to the beginning of John, the book of John. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was, God, was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him without him, was not anything made that was made. In him was life. I am the way, the truth, the life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness. The darkness has not overcome it. 
we might look around in the world and wonder if the darkness is overcoming the light, but no. And the Word of God is the Son of God, the man Jesus. We read a little later in that chapter, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son, the only begotten, the beloved of the Father, full of grace and truth. Grace and truth. Then a couple verses later in that same chapter, we read this. No one has ever seen God. The only God, that's literally the only begotten, who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. So when Abraham had a conversation with God, it was the Son of God that Abraham saw. When Moses met face to face with God, it was the Son of God that Moses dealt with. It was the Son of God who created. He's the Word, and the Lord God said, let there, God spoke, and things became The Son of God is the agent of God in all things. That's the the text we just read in Colossians. Did you hear it? In chapter 8 of the book of John, Jesus said this. They said to him, therefore, where is your father? Jesus answered, you know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. How does anyone know the Father, God, by knowing the Son, Christ, Jesus? In chapter 10, Jesus says this, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who's given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Who's hanging on to you? God. If you're one of his sheep, he's got you. He's got you. No one, no one can get you away from him. How does he hang on to you? The sun hangs on to you, that's how. In hanging on to you, in keeping you in their grasp, they are absolutely united. In fact, they're absolutely united in everything. They're the Father and the Son, but they're one. We're talking about the Trinity, folks. We're going to, it's a deep dive here, isn't it? There's one God eternally existing in three persons. That's a quote from the statement of faith of this church. One God who eternally exists in three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. In chapter 12 of the book of John, Jesus cried out and said, whoever believes in me, believes not in me, but in him who sent me. Do you believe in God? Not if you don't believe in Jesus. 
If you believe in Jesus, you believe in God. That is the only way. That's why he says, I am the way, not a way. So you might believe that there is a God, but you have not established a relationship with God unless you trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. He who has the Son has the life, John says in 1 John. Who has the Son has the life. He who does not have the Son does not have the life. How does eternal life get delivered to us from God? Through the Son only. Only. Whoever believes in me believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And whoever sees me sees him. Philip, I told you already. I've come into the world as light, so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. That tells you that until you believe in him, you are in darkness. He's the light. In Colossians chapter 1, the text we read, it says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. By him all things were made. It says in verse 19, For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. This is Colossians chapter 1, by the way. In him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether in heaven or on earth, making peace by the blood of his cross. Everything is brought back to right relation to God by the blood of the cross of Jesus Christ. No other way. No other way. He is the eternal Son of God. He is God incarnate. In Hebrews chapter 1, we read this, Long ago, at many times, in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. God's been speaking, speaking, speaking. But in these last days, he has spoken to us in his Son. which is the last word. (laughs) In these last days, he spoke to us in his son. You see, Jesus doesn't just speak for God like prophets do. Jesus is the speech, the word made flesh. He's spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God. How do I, how does the glory of God shine on me? It's right there in 1st, 2nd Corinthians chapter 4, in the face of Jesus Christ. We, the Spirit of God has removed the blindness that we are all trapped in 
and I see the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. He is, according to Hebrews, the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature. Not an approximation. Not Jesus is the most godly man ever. Jesus is an exact representation of the very nature of God because he is God, the Son, the Eternal One. If you need to know God, Jesus showed up and put God on display in human flesh. God is not a remote observer. God is not a religious demander. God himself was here. And if we see Christ, we see the Father. Jesus, the incarnate Son of God, is the perfect image of God. All that can be known of God is revealed in Christ. Let me say that again. All that can be known of God is revealed in Christ. There are some things of God that are beyond our knowledge and comprehension. Those things are present in Christ as well, but we don't have the eyes to see those things. But what can be known of God, everything that can be known of God is visible in Christ. Everything. He is the exact representation, the perfect image. He goes on, he says, I'm in the Father, the Father is in me. The Son of God and the Father God exist in perfect, intimate unity. <laughs> perfect, intimate unity. This whole passage is so about this thing we call the perichoresis of the Trinity. <laughs> the three persons of the Trinity, that word perichoresis, it means dance around. Peri means around, choresis means dance. They dance around. They're in a dance. They're, they're, every move is, involves the others intimately. So Jesus says, when I speak, I don't speak on my own. I speak the words I hear the Father. I only do what he's doing. I, there's an intimate involvement. I am in the Father, he says, and the Father is in me. The words I say, I don't say from myself. <laughs> and you might say, well, isn't that a little disingenuous, Jesus? I mean, is that authentic if you're not speaking for yourself? And the answer to that would be yes, except that Jesus is in absolute, total, 100% of the time agreement with whatever the word of God the Father is. He, he'd say that too. Yet there's a relation between the Father and the Son such that the Son submits himself to the Father and the, the Father is the source of the plan and the Son is the agent, the executive, the carrier out of the plan. And they have this relation between you. This is a deep pool we're swimming in now. 
The words I say, I don't say from myself. But the Father who dwells in me, wait, the Father dwells in him. Well, he's kind of already said this, isn't he? He said, I'm in the Father, the Father's in me. In, in. The Father who dwells in me. How does that work? Well, we've been told already in the book of John, like so many of these things in this part of the book of John, they've already been said. In fact, we might look at this upper room discourse, this final speech of Jesus to the disciples before the cross as kind of a summary or a, now let's make this crystal clear moment in the book of John. Here's what he said in chapter 3, beginning in verse 31. He who comes from above is above all. He who is of the earth belongs to the earth and speaks in an earthly way. He who comes from heaven is above all. He bears witness to what he has seen and heard, but nobody receives his testimony. Whoever receives his testimony sets his seal to this, that God is true. For he whom God has sent utters the words of God. For he gives the Spirit without measure. That's it, right there. He whom God has sent utters the words of God. That's what Jesus says in chapter 14. The, the words I tell, speak to you, I don't speak from myself, but the Father who dwells in me. Here he says, the one who speaks sent from God he utters the words of God. How? God has given him the Spirit without measure. That's how. You see, these texts, it sounds like we're talking about the relationship between the Son and the Father. And you might say, because, you know, we believe in the Trinity, where's the Holy Spirit? That's where. When Jesus says, I only say what the Father tells me to say, how does the Father communicate by the Spirit? That's how. Jesus is walking in the Spirit. You can see this in the other Gospels when Jesus has his desert experience. How, how did that happen? He was led by the Spirit. He was led by the Spirit. He goes on here, he says, The Father loves the Son and has given all things into His hand. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life. But the wrath of God remains on Him. It was already on Him, it just stays. But if I trust in the Son, I have eternal life. How do you... Know God only in Jesus, the Son of God, who is the one incarnate, the one who makes God visible. He says, the Father who dwells in me, the Father who dwells in me performs his works. Wait, you were talking about words and now you're saying works. 
Jesus, the incarnate Son of God, is the perfect agent, the perfect executive of God. We shifted from words to works all in one sentence. He says, I don't say from myself. I don't speak from myself, but the Father who dwells in me, he does the works. You see how works and words are the same? How does the Father speak in the life of Christ? By the works of Christ. Not just his speech, but also his very life, everything he does. In this case, we're probably referring to his miraculous works. Jesus is the speech of God. His whole life is word. Then he concludes like this. He says, believe me when I tell you. (laughs) Or believe on account of the works. In other words, he says, look, either believe me because I'm telling you or believe what you've seen with your two eyes. doesn't matter. You can believe the speech or the deeds. They're the same. Believe what? That I am in the Father and the Father is in me. That is the thing to believe. Because the Father is at work in dwelling the Son by the Spirit. The Son, by the ministry of the Spirit, does exactly what the Father desires at all times. He never does anything else. He is always acting as the agent of God, no matter what. Whether he's acting or speaking, we're seeing God. So I want to ask you, what's the most important work of God in the life of Jesus? Well, it might seem a little crazy to make distinctions of importance. I mean, God is speaking in the life of Jesus. That, of course, must be of supreme importance. If God is bothering to speak to us, it must be of extreme importance. In fact, if God is bothering to speak to us, we must be more significant than we might otherwise think. We're not just super smart animals. If God is speaking to us, the thing that distinguishes us from all the other animals is we're the ones God speaks to. And we're the ones that can speak to him. There's no revelation to chimpanzees. Chimpanzees are part of the revelation to us, but God's speaking to us when he makes chimpanzees. He's not speaking to chimpanzees when he makes us. There's something about being human. Do you realize that a man is the exact representation of Almighty God. Human beings are a bigger deal than the world believes. We are created to be the image of God, to 
walk in fellowship with God and so to display his character so that one day you'll be able to look at my face and see the glory of God. What's the most important work in the, li- in the life of Jesus, though? It is the thing that makes that possible. It is the death of Christ. And so Jesus says in the, right here in the book of John, the time is, has come for the Son of Man to be glorified, and he's talking about the cross. Where the nature of God is most completely revealed is in the death and resurrection of God himself in the person of Jesus. We can't even think of that. That is the thing that restores us. That's what we read in Colossians. He has reconciled everything to God through the blood of his cross. And so when I believe in Jesus, I trust what Jesus did. And when I trust Jesus, I trust God. That's exactly what he said at the very beginning of this chapter. He said, trust God, trust me. I'm taking care of you, my little children, my sheep. You've heard my voice. You follow me. We'll see you through the Father and me, the Spirit. How does he see me through? Why do I hear his voice and follow? I'm one of his sheep. I hear his voice and follow because the Spirit comes to me. Oh, my goodness gracious. Stop for a second, periodically. Stop for a second and notice the promise of God's word that if you have trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ, God himself in the person of the Holy Spirit dwells in you. As in Jesus... This is beyond belief good news. I want you to know, Christian, you have it made. I don't, you could be starving to death and you are fine in Christ. You can die, and you're fine. People can persecute and be cruel to you, and you can laugh. Andrew, they're about to crucify the apostle Andrew. He says, how could I preach the cross of Christ and not embrace it? Uh, the, you know, the governor or whoever, the Roman authority he's dealing with, they said, look, you just deny Christ and, you know, we'll let you go. 
You think my life means anything? That's kind of what he says. You think if you give me the chance to die for the name of Jesus, I'm going to pass that up? What an upside-down way of thinking, but that we have joy no matter what in Christ. So things don't need to go like I thought they ought to. Because I know God is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord Jesus is my shepherd. He is caring. He is guiding. He is directing. If he lets me go somewhere, he's going to do something good for me there. And he's going to bring me home in the end. This table is about that most important thing in the life of Jesus. His death, his death, his sacrifice for sin that makes me whole. When I come to the table, I remember, I sit down in the comfy chair of God's living room in Christ, a place I don't belong. But I know I do belong there now because I'm with Him. I'm in Him. Oh my goodness, as we go forward in the book of John, just wait. Just wait until you hear about this unity. This unity that Jesus is declaring between Himself and the Father. Do you know what their plan is? Bring us in. Bring us in. That eternal, joyful fellowship, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit that surpasses time and creation, that eternal, He is gathering us into that. <laughs> this passage is, well, it's, it's too much. It's too much. And when we come to the table, we celebrate the work of Christ. We remember Him. We once again say, why do I let myself get distracted from the beauty of the glory of God in the face of Christ? And we come back and we say again, yes, yes, yes. Give me that. Give me that. Give me that. Let me see Christ and know God. Father, we thank you for your love. Lord, help us. Lord, help us to see it, to know it, to remember it when we need to, to come boldly before the throne of grace, to receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Lord, thank you for the death of Christ that knocks down the barrier between us, that reconciles us, that makes us alive again together with him. We celebrate these things at this table. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen.